Hey, hey, hey. It's the Week in IndyCar listener Q&A show, y'all. Here, getting rolling, watching my San Francisco-based Golden State Warriors in a preseason game. Got Rosie sleeping to my right. Got our other cat, Rocky, sleeping with his backside <laughs> turned my way. Uh, above me on the right, this is another couch episode of the Weekend IndyCar Listener Q&A podcast brought to you by Cooper Tires, those fine, fine people who power the road to Indy, the Justice Brothers, whose automotive chemicals and lubricants have been a staple in motor racing for decades upon decades. And then finally, TorontoMotorsports.com. Truly fine motor racing memorabilia available to you from the general area of Toronto in Canada. Pay them a visit. TorontoMotorsports.com. Take home some t-shirts, hats, and other great stuff. Uh, Because this is a couch episode, what does that mean? Well, it means I'm using my little mobile recorder and... That's right. We get a little bit of DJ Airhorn reggae-inspired fun. Uh, hey, appreciate you and all the questions you sent in. Our pal Jerry Suddeth, who puts together those questions for me. Going to keep trying to whittle the show down here during the off-season. See if we can keep this to uh, a shorter amount of time than I usually do the shows in, and because I know that I am truly terrible at telling you, hey, we got a little bit more time to go, and I name a number, and then I come up short every single time I fail to hit that, uh, I'm just not even going to do that. So, uh, but I'm going to try and do this a little bit shorter. Had another idea and wouldn't mind getting some feedback on this. Uh, Notice that we often have some really, really good questions that don't make the cut. Uh, I'm not laying the blame at Jerry's feet. I do ask Jerry, though, to look through the questions, find roughly an hour's worth that interests him or that he thinks would make for good conversation then to arrange those in the Word document he kindly sends each week with whatever flow he thinks will make for a good episode. Inevitably, we end up using all of our time with the questions above the cut line, but we do have, as I said, some really good ones below. So I'm wondering, during the off-season here, would there be an interest in having me come back later in the week? Who knows? Maybe it It's a Saturday morning, not sure. And do a hear the ones below the cut line show. And I think, I don't know, maybe those would only be about a half hour long. Not super long, but just curious. Uh, I don't want to hit you with too much in terms of listener Q&A podcast. But like I said, who knows? Maybe during the off season when there's not a ton going on. Maybe that's something to consider. You tell me. Uh, It's your show, truly. I do whatever y'all want me to do. So if you like that idea, let me know and we'll make it happen. Uh, we had our pal Dalton Kellett announced today that he won't be continuing with the AJ Foyt Racing Team. Did speak with Dalton. Try and get that story up here on racer.com ASAP. Wasn't unexpected. Aware of the ask being made to Dalton, Dalton's really awesome family. Uh, The financial commitment was 
Oh, boy. No joke. And also the other criteria that he had for himself, that being, you know, uh, we need to see if we can give this another run if we're going to keep doing this together and really bring in star caliber people wherever we can uh, or as close to star caliber as possible. I don't know if he felt, they felt that that was really going to happen. And so that, as he told me, really made the decision to not continue with Foyt a a relatively straightforward one to make. Uh, Without a seat at Foyt, Dalton does not have a entryway to compete in IndyCar. And so, yeah, I'll save more of what he shared with me for you to read uh, in our interview on Racer here. But this was this was something that he had a feel might be coming. And I will admit I'm a little fuzzy on where I mentioned it, whether it was on a listener Q&A show or on the uh, hashtag Racing Family show we do in Twitter spaces. But I was aware, having spoken with a couple of drivers, that at kind of Portland, Monterey, last two races of the year, uh, Dalton was just confiding in some folks that he knew he might be going into his final IndyCar races, period. So he was not totally uh, caught unawares about where this headed. Uh, but yeah, I will miss him. Really, really miss him. A, a fine addition to the paddock. Appreciate him. And I would hope the uh, Foyts have appreciated him as well, because without him, they could have been in very dire, dire financial shape here the last couple of years. Other than that, what else? We have a fairly impressive IndyCar Evaluation Day, Young Driver Evaluation Day going on at Sebring here on Wednesday, probably when you might be listening to this. Look forward to hopefully catching up with a couple of the drivers who participate in that. And what else? Uh, Some other newsy bits I hope to share with you once I get all those uh, captured, cleaned up, and ready to present. So by no means a complaint, and and I say that with all honesty, not a complaint anyway. I just, uh, today it hit me. I do this to myself every year, further proof of my idiocy. Like, man, IndyCar season is going to end. Things are going to slow down a bit. Be able to cruise a little bit, right? Not take my foot off the gas altogether, but just really get a chance to recharge my batteries. And <sighs> I think I did five interviews today. Not all of them IndyCar, some of them uh, sports car related, but just all day on the phone trying to crank out stories crank out podcasts from those phone calls you do them obviously to capture content well that content then needs to be edited written produced whatever it is stacking that upon stuff that i still have to get to from last week and the week before and so on anyways just occurred to me today i'm like you know i i con myself Every off-season, oh, yeah, man, it's going to slow down. It's going to be pretty chill, and yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then I have a reminder, like, no, not really. Uh, I know I've tried to take a couple days off here or there since Monterey. hasn't really worked out so much. And uh, you know what? We just need to celebrate. <laughs> Beep. 
my idiocy. So tons of stuff to get to, but that's a good thing, right? So there we go. I'm sure I'm forgetting more stuff to tell you, but let's use our little party horn there as our transition into your questions. And thanks again to all of y'all for taking time to send them in. I think Jerry said we had something like 37 questions, which is a pretty impressive amount if you ask me. And we're going to launch things off with a couple of Santino Ferrucci questions. Also spoke at length with Larry Foyt today. Hopefully use some of his thoughts in a uh, opinion piece I started noodling on about a week ago. Uh, our pal J.J. Gertler, uh, Yerky Yarvaleto Gertler, uh, starts us off. Says, is Santino Ferrucci working for Foyt like building your fireworks factory on the side of a dormant volcano? <laughs> Uh, never change, JJ. Never, never change. I uh, says you don't know which is going to set each other each other off, but boy, it's going to be spectacular when it goes. I think this is actually exactly what they need. I really, really do. Uh, a young charger like Santino, AJ respects the living heck out of. The last driver that I think fits this mold is Tony Kanon for the Foyt team. And Tony was the last driver to deliver some pretty decent results. This is while, admittedly, the team was kind of off in the wilderness uh, engineering-wise. And they made yeah some mistakes during off-season R&D stuff that really set them back. But... Um, I think Santino is going to bring a fire that I don't know if they've had, again, at least since Santino. Now, I should qualify that a little bit. Obviously, my guy, my French fry, that being Sebastian Bourdais, he brought plenty of fire as well. Seb's working style, though, not always loaded with sunshine and and unicorns and ice cream it can be a pretty rough thing to endure if you're making mistakes if things are blowing up if things are falling apart seb puts a wicked amount of pressure on an organization to be better and even when things are going well Seb's working style is just to never be happy, right? And it's not that he is never happy. It's just there's always something to be improved. (sighs) He brought a lot of improvements to the team without a doubt. But just saying spirit-wise, I think Santino is going to be a perfect fit, JJ, because he is fiery. He is positive more often than not and i think there's just that level of fire and upliftment that is going to be a a change for the foyt team in a very positive way Uh, i don't think there's going to be any major disagreements whatever between himself AJ, uh, Larry, there's one other aspect to this to keep in mind, and that is Santino's been in the sport for a couple of years now, 
just hasn't had much in the way of full-time permanence. This, I would say, is very much of a, not just a second chance in IndyCar on the full-time tip, but I don't think he's going to get another chance if things do not work out well with Foyt. I have to believe because he is a smart he's a smart kid that he recognizes that as well. We're not talking about someone who is so so successful, so outrageously uh anointed that hey, if things don't work out here, I'm going to have five other teams calling me. Uh, I'm not saying other teams should not have expressed more interest in him. Just need to be honest though really wasn't anyone else knocking on his door to be full-time prior to this when i spoke with him two weeks ago or whatever it was um just a bit of a call to catch up he admitted that yeah was really hoping everything was going to work out with Foyt, and that would have been that would be great but he really didn't want to say too much for fear that if things did not work out he didn't want to dampen the possibility or the fire that was building uh, continuing to use fire here just because of your uh, volcano uh, line here JJ there was definite fire building to return to dry and Reinbold racing and continue there for the Indy 500 so just sharing out loud that just as of very very recently Santino was of the mindset that there was going to be nothing full time in IndyCar with anybody and really the best chance for him was to do the Indy 500 again, but that was about it. So I got to believe he knows this is one you have to absolutely ace. You, not just from the driving standpoint, but all aspects. You need to be committed. Uh, nutrition. You need to be committed to engineering. You need to be committed to everything. Some of the criticisms thrown his way in the past of not really leveling up in those areas, being 100% in on you know, getting everything correct about how he does, what he does off the track, right? We know he's really good behind the wheel of a race car, but it's all the other little details that really do separate the uh, the finest drivers from those who come close but never fully measure up. Is he willing to go all in on those things where in the past he's maybe floated a little bit too much just on natural talent? I gotta believe he will. Because if this doesn't work out with Foyt, he's truly done terms of having a full-time career uh our pal mitsuki matsuri you're up next while we remain on the santucci tip here it says marshall son with the announcement of santino partnering with benjamin Pedersen, could it be one of the youngest driver lineups uh we've seen at aj foyt in recent years also do you think santino can do what ryan hunter ray did at andretti autosport bringing the team back to victory lane and establishing himself as the ace of the team. I would have to believe it's absolutely one of the youngest lineups uh, for sure, considering last year we had, what, 20-ish, 21-year-old Dalton, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, a.k.a. Kirk Kirkwood, alongside Dalton, who's, what, 28 or so, 29. Um, Yeah, so I think for sure 
Uh, we do have a, a very young lineup, but also one of the youngest lineups, period, uh, among any team. Uh, in Yeah, I think that stands out as well. Do I think he can do what Hunter Ray did at Andretti? Let's talk in a couple years. Would qualify that as well, uh, Mitsuki, by saying there's always the chance for a, a win, a fluke win or a one-off perfect scenario, right? Could I see Santino winning for the team Gateway, Iowa, you know, something like that? Of course, you know, there's most certainly a chance that a really strong drive or who knows how things work out on an oval somewhere. Yes, I could see that happening once, but I'm not really focused on the once. I'm focused on the getting the team back to where they can be threatening for top tens everywhere they go, right? So that's a little ways away, but it's possible. Uh, It's going to be a while, right? When you are continually rebuilding, it's one of the things Larry Foyt mentioned to me today, just as we were uh, finishing our call of, you know, hey, we're rebuilding again. Um, A different lineup last year, last season, a different lineup the season before, different lineup the season before that, a different lineup the season before that. You know, they've been in rebuilding mode for a long time. These things do just take a little bit of energy away from being able to say, okay, great foundation, and we're taking another step up next year and another step up next year. Once again, they're starting out basically at the ground floor, starting out at zero and having to build up from there. So possible that Santino could help get them to a better place without a doubt. We're years away from that outcome uh, really becoming a reality if it were to happen. Uh, Chris Kowalik, you say, hey, congrats to Santino being added to the Foyt team. You say, it's Phil and work it. Ray Hall, Edmund Lanigan, John Reinbold had you rooting for him. Glad that he's got one. So I know he had some maturity problems in Formula 2, and seemingly those are behind him, but it's been hard for him to get a better seat. What's the story? Yeah, a couple things. Some pretty decent baggage, very negative baggage that came with him from Europe. Uh, Some of it he owned fully self-induced other things blown out of proportion um you know there's one other thing too uh he pretty well-known uh devout person to certain ideologies that uh not everybody in the world is in love with uh i can't say that on a worldview standpoint he and i have a lot in common but I mean, the reality is, if I were to take my non-sporting, non-professional views on life, the universe, and everything, and filter out all the people in motor racing who did not align with how I saw the world, I'd be standing with about three people. I'm exaggerating. There's more. But I think... What we come across here is a a very unique dynamic. I think it's just worth mentioning 
whether it's political views, views on race, gender, all these things, right? None of those things are supposed to matter when it comes to uh, sport or those kinds of things, right? Just here for the racing or the whatever, and don't bother me with other stuff. Got it. I understand that. Folks want their escapism. You find that in the paddock quite a bit, right? But then you take a look at social media, and oh boy, that's not really the thing that a lot of folks are willing to do. So, Santino, because of a lot of the things that uh, were believed to have taken place uh, when he had that meltdown at Silverstone uh, four or five years ago, uh, although many of the things he is frequently accused of doing or being are 100 percent false i think chris what you just end up with is this huh this guy's not exactly clean i'm not saying he is truly dirty bad or otherwise i'm just saying that when you look at reputation and otherwise he's got that extra story that comes with him and not every team wants to get themselves involved in that. And this is something that's strange and maybe unfortunate. It's just kind of how society works these days, though. And that is, if you're believed to have done something wrong, A, there's a pretty hardcore segment of folks, by and large on social media, uh, but those voices are seen and heard and very easily found by teams and their sponsors, right? Uh, if you constantly have folks barking about somebody, saying, oh, he did this, he did that, bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. It's the kind of things that whether those accusations are right or wrong, it's really hard to get away from that stuff. So maybe this is a little bit deeper than just why aren't teams giving him a full-time drive based on his skills behind the wheel, but I would say this is something that you absolutely cannot ignore, and that is pick a Marcus Erickson comes to mind. I don't think you're going to find anything online, any anything, rumors of anything, any baggage, accusations, whatever, um, He's going to be someone that folks, beyond his driving skill, will always be willing to entertain. Santino, just somebody who reputationally, I know there are a number of teams who, yeah, Roger Penske might have been willing to put him in a car for one race to step in for Joseph, but would he ever consider giving him a full-time drive? Absolutely not. And you can run down the list of a lot of other team owners who, for commercial reasons, concerns of what their sponsors might say and so on would just not want to be involved with the uh the santino ferrucci experience so that's that there's one other component to add here as well and it is another reputational thing and this part's about his driving chris and i don't pretend to understand this one at all and that is santino ferrucci oval guy eh not much of a road course guy that's his reputation that's how he is thought of in the paddock and i can't tell you why because it's complete nonsense 
granted, his finest performances we have seen have indeed come on ovals, but usually when you get the reputation of being an oval person, it means that not only are you extremely good on ovals, but it's also implying that, yeah, it's kind of all you're good at. That's not the case. The amount of top tens, top eights, and whatnot that Santino has on road and street courses, while having never driven for a true top three team contender that can win races, it's no joke. Nonetheless, and I just say this, man, because all you got to do is do your most basic Wikipedia search. Wikipedia, Santino Ferrucci, and then go look at his record, and you go, oh, yeah, the guy's truly been impressive on road and streets as well while driving for often smaller teams or last-minute opportunities or whatever else. Nonetheless, I think the thing that has held him back is, hey, some of that baggage being concerning to sponsors and and whatever else teams believing it would be. And then secondarily, oh, well, hey, we got 12 road and streets and five ovals. And, well, hey, how could this guy be a full-time solution for me? I just want him for the ovals. Completely dumb approach. So that, I think, is where you get the limitations of him being sought after as a full-time driver. Well... There's one team in the paddock who doesn't really care about any kind of baggage that uh, he might be accused of having or might legitimately bring with him and also would only consider his oval prowess as a major selling point instead of worrying about whether he is the world's best road and street course driver. The part that Foyt, the Foyt team, I don't know if they fully recognize they're getting that's impressive, is the road and street course side. So, anyways... Uh, that's the best that I got for you there. Uh, we're going to, what are we going to do? We're going to mash the throttle a little bit here. Uh, Andrew Miller, you say at first glance, the thermal club looks like a solution to the post St. Petersburg scheduling gap in the near future. But wouldn't that annoy the Long Beach Grand Prix folks? Putting a second spring race in Southern California? And you say, if not early spring, can't imagine it being a viable race venue, uh, later in the year because the heat, um, great point as well don't want to take this too far andrew because i still have to do a little bit of digging and word talking with some folks but there are concerns about the long beach grand prix's long-term health not health in terms of popularity and folks wanting to go but health as in How much longer is it going to survive? Of the things I continue to hear and others continue to hear, it's, boy, that sure is some pretty awesome real estate there, downtown beachside Long Beach, uh, the area used for where the uh, IMSA paddock uh, happens to land, parking over there, uh, heck, some of the area outside of the convention center there where the IndyCars park and all that, um, the parking complex, the, the multi-story parking complex as well. Like not saying the Long Beach Convention Center isn't a gem. I 
would have to guess, though, it's probably not as busy as it once was. I don't know how much, you know, major conventions are a thing that uh, are really occupying a, a lot of calendar space in a, a town like Long Beach these days, right? Certainly would have been a thing 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever years ago, but in this post-pandemic world where a lot of things happen remotely and trade shows in general are things that are really, really falling by the wayside. I mean, heck, I was reading a uh, reading something a day or two ago about how just auto shows, some of the major auto shows, they're either gone or about to be dead because just the concept of spending a bunch of money to go to a convention center and wherever and spend a fortune on these big displays to show folks their new, the new models of cars like that's just kind of going away a bit and so i'm just saying out loud like what's the centerpiece of the long beach grand prix well more than half of the track of what goes on around the track and where teams and the series are hosted and all those kinds of things what is it well it's a long beach convention center and a whole ton of space reserved for parking keep hearing that folks in long beach and around long beach love the idea of turning that beachside property into houses housing high-rise apartment complexes let's make some money off of this nice big free standing area who knows if the convention center needs to uh, stay upright or should that be raised those are the things that i continue to hear andrew so not next year not the year after but how long will long beach city council be able to stave off the folks wanting to really get a hold of that real estate we had a proposal i think it went i believe or i no, it went nowhere, but what, for the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Angels Los Angeles baseball team to build a brand new stadium right there, uh, effectively doing everything I'm mentioning, taking all that free space and turning it into a baseball stadium, that went nowhere, but I think we're just going to see more of that. So, not doom and gloom, still got to make a lot more calls, and who knows if I'll get any firm answers out of things. But when I look at the Thermal Club, two and a half-ish hours out of Long Beach, um, if the long-term fate and health of Long Beach is indeed a question, and there's an interest ultimately in the owners, investors, homeowners, you name it, at the Thermal Club to host an IndyCar race, I could see how that might fit. The only other space that it might fit uh, would be late in the season. Another just dumb question here. Hey, my other home track, Monterey, great, love you. Know that uh, there is no desire by IndyCar to leave. But hey, what if, uh, what if that isn't always the season finale? You know, that's uh, something else where you might consider a second 
IndyCar race here, uh, or what could be a third if Long Beach is still going, and if Monterey is still there, who knows? But I mean, I'm just looking up right now. I'm looking at the 10-day forecast in Thermal, California. So here we are, darn near the middle of October. Today's high, <laughs> uh, 98 degrees, uh, 96. Tomorrow, 96. Thursday, 98. Friday, 98. Weekend, a, a cool 87 high. And then we get back into the high 80s and 90s next week. So, yeah. Now, granted, I mean, we used to go to the Houston Grand Prix a little later in the year. And you just sweat 50 pounds of water out of your body. Um, you know, if there's some venues that we go to. Iowa, I don't know. A double header in Iowa. It's a little bit toasty. Um, it's not like we don't go to places uh, where everything is a little bit warmer than what anybody wants. Um, I just have to think about fans, right? Who's going to show up? Uh, we might be able to withstand it, but is this going to be something that draws a meaningful crowd and makes IndyCar look important if it's 90-plus degrees? I don't know. So a great question here, Andrew, just one where on a little bit of a what happens to Long Beach watch, and if this were to be something within a couple hours of that market that might uh, be considered, even if Long Beach is fine and never goes away, yeah, uh, <laughs> does a late December uh, trip to the Thermal Club. How does that sound? Uh, it might only be down to the uh, low 80s by then, but yeah, something a little fun. Uh, what else can we get to here in the relative time we have remaining? Ed Joris, you ask a question, and I appreciate you for asking it. I am perennially perplexed by this question but it never gets old. Um, to the road to indie type groups, you mentioned, mentioned Anderson Promotions, Penske Entertainment, talk it all to the SCCA. Uh, you mentioned their Formula 4, the Formula Regional Americas uh, series, about some kind of harmonizing. You say it seems like you could put together a really reasonable ladder with those resources. Seems the SCCA has everything that the road indie hasn't got and vice versa, at least on the surface. Um, no, they never talk to each other because they are rival organizations. So I sometimes maybe overuse this, but no, Pepsi and Coke don't talk about, hey, could we come up with one soft drink, one soda um, that brings the best of both of our companies to the same can? Um, doesn't happen. Um, I'll admit you say each other has the thing the other side's missing at least on the surface that's the part that i don't grasp fully ed because there's absolutely nothing missing from the road to indy zero uh the new usf juniors series started this past season by anderson promotions that is their equivalent of formula four uh, in terms of speed in terms of training USF Juniors was the truly intentional creation on behalf of Dan Anderson to give folks no reason to send their kids to Formula 4. Now, I'm not saying there's no value in Formula 4. I'm just saying uh, there's nothing missing from the road to Indy. 
uh, Formula Regional um, uh, Americas being kind of in the Formula 3 type speed, uh, keep in mind that Road Indy has USF 2000 and Indy Pro 2000. So I don't really know what it is that they're lacking uh, there because they certainly have uh, more than enough in terms of options. Now, if I look to the future, do I ask, is there a long-standing need for USF 2000? I'm not sure. USF Juniors, I would say I was pleasantly surprised at how well subscribed it was and the momentum behind it, and I think it's just going to continue to grow next season. Uh, I mean, the step up from there to USF 2000, it's real. I mean, it's it's really real. Would just say, though, that uh, I do have to wonder, so we get another year or two, whatever, down the road, uh, will USF Juniors be more than sufficient as the first step of the road to Indy without a need for USF 2000? Will it be more reasonable just to say, hey, okay, we're going to go USF Juniors, Indy Pro 2000, and then on and upwards you go to uh, the Penske Entertainment-owned Indy Light Series. Don't know, but I, I could see that being a thing. But as for taking what is currently four tiers, three of those owned by Anderson, and the fourth being Indy Lights owned by Penske, um, blending that with what uh, is actually, I guess they're owned by the SCCA, F4 and Formula Regional Americas, but those have both been licensed and are run fully by uh, Tony Perella, the uh, Perella Motorsports Holding Company. Um, I, I looked at, I think, the last weekend's FRA event. I think they had 11 cars, something like that, right? Uh, I think F4, a little bit more, a little healthier. I'm just off the top of my head, I think like 15 or so. Again, good, you know, no issues, no problems, but not exactly thriving. Um, so, yeah, if I could see that one side was just let me rephrase that. If I could see the F4 and FRA sides were just blowing up with entries, I'd say, okay, hey, Road to Indy folks, you're maybe getting your butt kicked, and clearly you are not uh, delivering what folks need. I'm not seeing that on the uh, on that side, though, to lead to any kind of, quote, harmonizing. Final thing to mention here, Ed, how many IndyCar team owners do I know of that I speak with who say, hey, I just saw so-and-so really was doing some impressive things at FRA or in FRA or, hey, young hot chew I've heard about doing things in Formula 4? Zero. Zero percent. Um, and trust me, if there were more than zero, I would be telling you. But uh, for what folks are looking at in IndyCar for the place where folks are looking for true next generation talent uh, it's well established works perfectly fine on the road to Indy uh, it's been that way for quite some time um, those are just realities so there was a time not too long ago where F4 and FRA were stronger more successful making a, a bigger impact that's just not where they're at right now. So, yeah, uh, if I'm Roger Penske or Dan Anderson, at the moment, I'm finding no reason to consider any harmonizing with anything. 
because what they got's working. Uh, Kurt Pose, how you doing? One of our friends who is a fine uh, volunteer member of the SCCA looking after corners and making motor racing happen. He says, with the engineering staffing issues around the paddock, have you heard of any success stories from teams like Hunkos and their Purdue affiliation or, say, Coin with the HMD Lights connection or similar, trying to create pipelines for talent? Uh, not a ton. I would say what you've mentioned here with uh, Hunkos and their uh, Purdue affiliation, you know, Ricardo tells me that uh, what I think eight folks or so are, are constantly revolving in that, and they do have a couple that could be stepping up there. I'd say the, the real successes, though, is just coming from select intern type opportunities. Uh, when I was at HPD a couple weeks ago, they mentioned uh, two or three that they have in from local universities, and they're trying to develop them. Um, would run that through a variety of teams who have programs like that in place. This also reminds me, it might be worth trying to do a paddock-wide story on who all has uh, these intern-type opportunities where they're not just trying to give kids going to school an opportunity to get on-the-job experience while in college, but also the teams hoping to turn those folks into future employees that might be something to do as well, Kurt. But I know that a number of teams do have such things. Uh, Penske's had a relationship with, I forget the name of it, but a local technical college, an automotive college, and they've got kids who come through there. And it's not just limited to IndyCar. It could be NASCAR, etc. cetera. Uh, I know this is something where it's not a strange thing for maybe half the teams, but I don't know if there's a real concerted effort being made by all to do that. I'd say this is a really good area. And again, I need to take some notes here and write this down as a good story idea just to see how many are moving in this direction that maybe aren't. Uh, because, boy, if they aren't, uh, I think they are really uh, not helping themselves in any way, shape, or form as we look to the future. Uh, let's see. Ed, you're also asking about any news on Jamie Chadwick and the Andretti front. Now that the W Series has ended early, haven't pushed or pursued this, but I have heard that, yes, uh, whether she has signed or will sign with Andretti and Indy Lights, I do believe that is, uh, that's going to happen here. Um, just rolling, just rolling. Zach Dean, curious about wet races coming off of watching the Suzuka Formula One event and IndyCar's aero screen in the wet like we saw some of the issues that we saw at the GMR Grand Prix you're asking for what progress or updates are there on how they will deal with that um, it's one of those things I need to get an update on so don't have it for you here but I'm hoping to be able to write about that soon I've heard yeah uh, I think I'm up to speed on this but just need to get some final confirmation uh, Jeremiah Morell asking about, hey, plans for Stefan Wilson, Don Cusick, uh, Cusick Motorsports and such for 2023. Uh, Don was texting a day or two ago and told me that they are indeed working hard on getting a Indy 500 program going again. I know that he had previously told me and maybe some others that there was a real desire to uh, do more races in 2023, maybe going as far as buying a car. 
don't know if any of that's happened. I don't know if anything beyond indie is going to take place, but I am due to catch up with Don here very shortly. Uh, maybe not this week, maybe next, who knows, maybe the week after, but just to get a, a better feel for um, what he's hoping to do uh, that would be more than he's done the last two seasons. Question about any options for a race on the East Coast? Not that I know of right now. Um, Jim Barnett, you sent this in. You know, I'll come to that in just a sec. Tim Hubble. Um, you say, well, it sucks for Linus Lundqvist. I don't think the change in Indy Lights prize fund structure is a bad thing long term, unless I misunderstand what happened. The prize money's essentially been moved from the champion driver to the Indy Lights teams. Seems to me to be an investment in the foundation of the entire IndyCar organization. Uh, for many years, we, fans and insiders, have trumpeted the need for more support uh, of Indy Lights to develop a solid pipeline of new talent. While there's been no shortage of talent coming through the feeder system in recent years, the additional financial incentive for teams will likely grow the Indy Lights field over the next few years. Do I have it wrong? I do believe you indeed have it wrong, Tim. Um, we look at how this prize money thing has been established. This goes to the top four in every race, right? Uh, the winning first place is 20, second place is 15,000, third is 10, fourth is five grand. That money goes to the teams, not the drivers. You go, okay, well, to your point, well, wouldn't this help fortify things for teams? Sure. Who did pretty much exclusively all the winning Last year, for example, that would be HMD Motorsports and Andretti Autosport. Um, with Andretti doing not a ton of winning, um, but HMD doing a whole heck of a bunch. Not speaking ill by any means of uh, Henry Malukas, the Malukas family, and saying that they don't need the money, but they aren't short on cash. Very successful businesses... And, of course, again, uh, winning a lot of prize money, that's a great thing. Offsets costs, maybe even allows you to reduce the price a tiny bit for what you're charging drivers. But it's one thing if the prize money is going to reasonably enrich the entire field or the majority of the field. When we have what we've normally had in Indy Lights for years upon years, and that is a dominant team, with one, two, three, who knows how many drivers who tend to be the uh, unstoppable force, well, what that means is the haves just have more. It rarely means the have-nots get more. That is the whole reason behind IndyCar establishing its leader circle concept. Or not concept, but that whole... Uh, hey, the timer went off. That tells me I need to wrap up the show here uh, but that whole system was created to try and socialize democratize something ties uh prize money distribution you had the smaller teams complaining like mad saying great you give away prize money to win fantastic all the monsters do all the winning so all the monsters who are currently big and unbeatable and and just have more resources than anybody well guess what all you're doing is just feeding them more, <laughs> right? Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, whatever, whomever it was, 
they get it all. They get 90% of the pie. We get 10. We're not going to get anywhere and improve on 10% or whatever it was of the prize money. So the IRL slash IndyCar Series said, great, we're going to take this overall prize money pool. We're going to divide it up evenly across whatever it is, uh, 22, 24-ish entries. Y'all have to guarantee, right? You're signing a document guaranteeing you're going to appear at every race and be a part of the show every race. And okay. And again, the payouts for prize money continue at the races, but it's just super minuscule. Just coming back to the main point here, Tim. I hear you. In theory, it sounds amazing, but a little minnow team by comparison to the Giants, like an Able Motorsports or TJ Speed Motorsports, they're not getting a whiff of the prize money. And if they do, again, hey, you got five grand. Maybe you finished third and you're, you got ten grand. Great. Okay, it's fine. Of course, every racing team can always use money. But that is not an amount of money or a frequency of receiving that money that is going to change anything for any team owners other than the one or two that do all the winning. So, where this becomes a problem is, unless we're talking about a David Malukas, for example, uh, who's fortunate to have the funding uh, from his family's successful business to pay for his IndyCar career, you're more often looking to a Pato Award who is stupidly talented but does not have family money to bring to a team to get a seat, uh, or Kyle Kirkwood, or many others. And so this is where an advancement prize, even if it's just $1.2 million, which isn't a crazy, crazy amount, but it's a conversation starter with teams who know that, hey, you've just taken care of... 20% of the budget or something like that, right? That's a decent amount that we don't have to find. It's something to build from. It's also, when we just look at the base guarantee that used to come, hey, Indy 500 plus two other races, that is something to start a career with. 500 grand? Yeah, it's not bad, right? It's better than nothing. But it is certainly, Tim, not going to get a single IndyCar team to go, oh, yeah, boy, we, we, are, we are absolutely cooking with fire right now. Um, this is where this makes things problematic. What this also does is changes the narrative. Win the Indy Lights Championship, guaranteed to race the Indy 500 and two other races, cannot begin to undersell how much of a selling point that has been taking that away oh it's just brutal tim just brutal uh, i'm very concerned about the short-term medium-term long-term ramifications of what could happen here with folks right lots of them are already signed up we're gonna have a pretty big grid for 2023 but the longer term ramifications of folks going hey wait a minute uh so we do all this and you've taken away the major incentive that's an issue um was going to close the show here uh, jim barnett asked uh 
asked you to send this in again, asked our man, Jerry, to uh, uh, have this one ready for me to use because I wanted to get to it. Uh, I'm sorry, brother. Uh, I'm going to hold myself to the uh, the time limit here. Um, let me see if I... Well, based on your feedback, we'll see if I do another episode later in the week um, to catch up on some that I didn't get to or if I just roll this over to next week's episode. So I'm sorry, Jim. I really am. Um, starting to feel like you're playing the role of Lindsey Buckingham from What's Up With That. So, uh, And if you're not a fan of Saturday Night Live, you'll not grasp that reference at all. But uh, appreciate all of y'all for everything you do for my wife and I to help us uh, give us something fun to do here. Do appreciate, uh, I don't know how long the show's been going now, but uh, it, it is something I do look forward to each week. Happy to be getting this done on a Tuesday night, by the way, so getting back more towards uh, normal posting time. Also want to say a big thanks to Jerry Siddeth for putting our questions together. Please save Jim's for next week if I don't get to it in an extra episode. And also to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and torontomotorsports.com. I'll speak to you here soon.